Blog Talk Radio. My producer slam, my flow is like, bam, jump on stage, and then I did this. Do nigga, everybody diss, cause you can't bust this. You got a bad name like dick butt kiss. Welcome to the next level of rhyme flowing, scratching, hooking up beats, and hoe catching. Every time I come home, I got 50 messages. I only call back the girls with big, big breasts. Ooh, I got biddies in all the major cities. The safest way to have sex is right between us. Excuse me as I kiss the sky. Fingers on the Broadcast live and heard around the world you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet it's the high stakes fantasy football hour presented by myffpc.com with your hosts eric balkman and dave gerzak the high stakes fantasy football hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world and now because no one else was available here are eric balkman and dave gerzak Thank you once again, Rob, for that very powerful introduction. Welcome to this January 30th episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com live from the Papa John Studios. Support for the show is also provided in part by Nationwide Insurance. More than 95% of members recommend Nationwide, who has a history of always putting its members first. Find out why at Nationwide.com. That's Nationwide. They are on your side. Greetings and salutations to the Balkaholics only tonight. I am Eric Balkman, of course, your above average host. My co-host, the original Dizzle, Dave Gerzak, is off this week. Uh, but coming up on tonight's show, I'll have some analysis on the winners and losers in the Bears offense if Brandon Marshall says bye-bye and my advice on why you should be collecting Colts tight ends and getting rid of 49ers wide receivers in your dynasty leagues. Plus, I'll be joined by 2014 FFPC Super Bracket runners-up Eric Stightley and Brad Kennedy. They'll tell me all about the decision to pull the trigger on a polarizing first-round running back, uh, how it got them to the bracket final, and how one lineup decision proved to be a costly mistake in their quest for $10,000. Shout out to the chat room right now. Some familiar faces in there. Of course, Brothers Mayhem, Henry Mudo, Mint, among others, already in the chat room tonight. If you guys have any questions, post them in the chat room tonight. Uh, Our mutual friend and producer, Rob, and of course, our audio engineer, Bryce, will be getting those questions to me. I'll try to pay attention to the chat room. Normally, that's Dave's kind of thing, and he'll point out stuff that I miss, but I'm doing double duty tonight. I'll do my best. Just bear with me. Uh, you guys can also connect with us on Twitter in addition to the chat room. Connect with us on Twitter at HSFF Hour, at Eric Balkman, at David Gerzak. And, of course, the FedEx inbox is highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you want to give me a buzz tonight, feel free to do so. That's 347-426-3682. 347-GAME-OVA. G-A-M-E-O-V-A. Uh, give me a buzz, and we'll, uh, we'll talk some fantasy football tonight. We have uh, a lot to get to. Um, we, we of course, do have the, the big game. Super Bowl is coming up uh, this uh, Sunday. Uh, obviously, we're all very excited for that. But there's still some stuff going around the NFL, of course, with Dynasty. Um, you know, that's picking up with the whole rookie scouting. Uh, we're going to talk uh, some rookies tonight. We're going to be talking some coaching changes. We're going to be talking uh, nothing with deflated balls, thank God. Uh, but that is all coming up on the show. So we're going to review some of the news and notes around the league. We're going to talk to Eric Stightley and Brad Kennedy. Uh, I'm going to answer some emails, and that will be the show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And we will send you off into your Super Bowl weekend, uh, hopefully very happy. Uh, before uh, I get to uh, the Fantasy Flash, I want to point out a couple of things. Uh, if you are interested in joining uh, an FFPC High Stakes Dynasty Football League, there is a thread on the FFPC forums of all the current uh, FFPC Dynasty rosters out there, Dynasty teams are out there. Uh, Dave has actually posted the uh, entire roster um, along with all the draft picks the team has for this coming year and uh, a suggested price. Uh, and of course, if you don't want to pay that price, you don't have to. Make your best offer to Dave if you want to jump in. We're not going to be starting any new Dynasty Leagues this year until all these teams are sold. So scoop those up while you can. Dave is actually adding, I think he added a few new ones on Monday this past week. So check that out. Uh, so uh, Roto World w- helped uh, Rob put the rundown together tonight. And uh, we're going to kick things off with a, um, a, a name that we haven't really talked about on this show a whole lot. Um, but Jaguars owner Shad Khan, that's not the name we're going to talk about. Uh, he stated he's, of course, at the Super Bowl in Arizona. He says he's very optimistic about the return of suspended wide receiver Justin Blackman. This is a store in the Florida Times Union today. Uh, Khan 
uh, stated, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I'm very optimistic. I think he's paid his dues. I think he's got his life together. I think he can be a role model for people who have gone through hard times. We're waiting for him. Of course, the Jaguars, if you remember, went heavy on receivers in the draft. They took Allen Robinson and Marquise Lee, both in the second round last year. They already had Cecil Shorts. And, of course, they got Allen Hearns. You know, and, and my memory's failing me. I can't remember if he was a seventh-round pick or if he's an undrafted uh, rookie free agent. Uh, but um, they, there's plenty of guys there. But Blackman could step in and, uh, you know, be a pretty significant contributor if he is there week one. Remember, Allen Robinson is recovering uh, from a uh, broken foot. And Cecil Shorts is a free agent right now. So, and everything I've read, everything I, uh, I, you know, I've heard on other podcasts and everything, it sounds like the Jaguars are fine letting him go. So, if Blackman comes back, I feel like he is the number one receiver uh, that you have to look at if you're drafting a Jaguars receiver next year. Um, and and I think that um, you know, throw some dynasty offers out there, Dave. In the in the Blake Harrington dynasty league that I'm in with Dave. He actually posted Justin Blackman on the block, and I think he got some interest in it. So he hasn't been traded yet, but I think that if you can get this guy cheap right now, uh, emphasis on cheap because you don't want to overspend because there's still – I mean, he still does face a, a semi-long road back to uh, you know fantasy relevance. Uh, first step is obviously just getting back in the league. Uh, so, but but I think he's well worth uh, trading a, you know, a, a mid to lower round pick uh, to try to acquire him just to see what happens with Justin Blackman. So that's something we will keep our eyes on, something that we are all keeping our eyes on because no, no formal announcement has been made yet. But the Denver Post is reporting today that Peyton Manning met with Gary Kubiak, the new Broncos head coach and team president Joe Ellis, uh, today regarding his future plans. Now, again, no announcement made whether he's coming back, whether uh, he's going to uh, hang it up. Uh, but he's going to be... Uh, sitting down with John Elway in the near future. Manning was actually at the Super Bowl. Uh, Denver Post reported that he appeared relaxed and invigorated, and they do expect him to play football in 2015. The quote from Peyton Manning, I'd like to make a decision soon. At the same time, Coach and Joe and John have instructed me to take some time, so I'm kind of following their orders. To me, people, I think he's made up his mind. I think he's coming back, and I don't think that I mean, I, frankly, I'd be surprised to be hung it up at this point. But if you do own any Broncos pass catchers in Dynasty, Julius Thomas, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Cody Latimer, uh, if you want to lump Wes Welker in there, that's fine. Listen, if you want to um, keep those guys on your team this year, Manning comes back, he has another great season. Yeah, you're going to get another great season with those guys. I think the smart thing to do right now is try to cash in those on those Broncos right now. I own Emmanuel Sanders in the Dynasty League. I've, I've, I've already had him on the block just to see what I could get for him. Uh, Demarius Thomas, uh, again, if Brock Osweiler is the quarterback, DT's value does go down, uh, and, I, and I think it's more than significant. So I think if you want to um, you know, ride the wave and try to you know, cash in on a big Broncos season again this year, good luck to you. But if Manning hangs it up after this year, um, you're not going to get the value on those Broncos receivers. Uh, that you would right now. And and you I'm not saying sell, you know, for pennies on the dollar. You can get players of equivalent value to Demarius Thomas, Latimer, uh Emmanuel Sanders. You can get players of equivalent value for them right now for full price, you know, and I just think that's the smart thing to do. You want to be able to in in the same way when you're picking up defenses and tight ends and receivers on the waiver wire during the season, you're kind of looking at it from a two or three week ahead uh, perspective rather than just the immediacy of that coming week. I think you need to do the same thing in, um, in, in dynasty. You need to look at things, not just from this year. You want to look at it two years down the road too, and, and just kind of, you know, make sure you're not leaving yourself out in the cold. Uh, ESPN Chicago's Michael Wright uh, writes that nobody quote, nobody knows whether Brandon Marshall will be back with the bears in 2014. Uh, the Bears, of course, if you remember, signed Marshall uh, to a four-year contract worth $39 million in May, but uh, the people that, that uh, signed him that deal, they are no longer in charge. Uh, so, you know, again, we'll have to see what happens there, but if you remember, uh, the new offensive coordinator uh, for the Bears, Adam Gase, uh, was the wide receivers coach when Mike Shanahan was coaching the Broncos, and of course, he had that falling out with Brandon Marshall. Um he also, uh, of course, you know, last year, Brandon Marshall and Jay Cutler, I don't want to say they 
they sniped at each other in the media, but they they didn't really support each other a whole lot, especially Marshall uh, supporting Cutler. So uh, here's the thing. If Marshall's gone, Alshon Jeffrey is a target monster. Martellus Bennett becomes probably a top five tight end, uh, especially in FFPC tight end premium leagues because of all the targets that those two guys are going to get. Uh, Matt Forte, I don't know if his value changes uh, a whole lot, but then you have to look at Marquez Wilson as a sleeper, as a guy that could come in and fulfill that Marshall role and and get a bunch of uh, targets as the second receiver in that offense. So I think, you know, I don't want to say everybody wins, but certainly not a whole lot of people are losing uh, in that scenario. Uh, I don't know if Brandon Marshall can go to a spot where he would have the fantasy uh, value that he does in Chicago. I think it's certainly possible, but if I'm owning Brandon Marshall in Dynasty, I'm hoping that they that they don't get rid of him, that that he stays on the team, and that he can you know hit that 80 to 90 catch plateau uh, again in 2015. But you know, it new regime, a lot of stuff can happen. We're still in January; everybody's still kind of you know moving into their offices in Chicago. Long way to go, but definitely when you're uh, talking with uh, about a guy as talented as Brandon Marshall, got to keep your eye on that. We are also keeping our eye on the NFL draft, which is coming up at the end of April in Chicago. I, of course, will be there with uh, the Dizzle. Uh, I, I don't know who else is coming along. I think Tupacker might be hanging out with us that weekend as well when we actually go to the draft. That's going to be a lot of fun. Who's going to be the number one pick when we go there? Is it going to be Marcus Mariota? Is it going to be Jameis Winston? Well, according to Adam Schefter from ESPN, there is, quote, a real sense Tampa has its sights set on Oregon quarterback Marcus Mariota with the first overall pick. Uh, Schefter also said that uh, a lot of NFL executives and scouts believe that uh, Jameis Winston is the best pro quarterback prospect in the draft, but uh, Dirk Ketter, the new offensive uh, coordinator in uh, Tampa, may want Marcus Mariota instead. Of course, he's uh, the more mobile of the two. He obviously uh, has a much squeakier clean uh, off-the-field resume uh, than Jameis Winston. So we'll have to see. I mean, there's still three months to go before the draft. And, you know, I'm sure Tampa is still, you know, doing their homework on on which quarterback it's going to be. I do believe it will be a quarterback. Um, I, I still, I mean, I still feel like they'll go with Winston um, just because of the, the potential upside. I, I think you put Jameis Winston on a team with Vincent Jackson and Austin Safari and Jenkins, who they've been talking up. And of course, Mike Evans, boy, that's, that's really, really good. That's, uh, and not to say Mariota would be a bad choice. I just get the feeling uh, that Winston is uh, is probably going to be the pick there. From a fantasy perspective, uh, I would rather have Winston go there if I own Evans and Jackson uh, in an ASJ, just because Winston ran a pro offense uh, in in college. Now I know Mariota ran the Oregon offense, which is basically being run in Philly right now. But still, I, I think there is a much better track record of of success um, with these quarterbacks that run the, the pro systems, the quote unquote pro systems in college, and then come to the NFL. Uh, I think there's a smoother transition and he's going to have the weapons right away. Uh, but that is certainly something we are going to be talking about uh, as we move closer to the NFL draft. John McLean uh, on Twitter, of course, the uh, Houston Texans uh, beat writer, not uh, the star of die hard, which I'm sure that guy never hears Broncos. <laughs> hired Wade Phillips as their new defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, Wade Phillips and, and Gary Kubiak were actually together in Houston uh, in, uh, oh God, how many years ago was that? That was probably about three or four years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Um, and, and the Houston defense was actually really, really good. I, I think the subpar quarterback play uh, and passing game sort of held them back. Uh, I, I think that you need a strong running game and a strong defense to win a Super Bowl, but I think you also need a pretty good passing offense to help you get to the position of winning a Super Bowl. And Houston, just for whatever reason, they just didn't have that with Matt Schaub. Um, but you remember the defense is there. It was good. Uh, Phillips runs a one-gap on a 3-4 defense, and obviously that's good news for Von Miller. That's good news for DeMarcus, where – you remember Jack Del Rio, who was the uh, defensive coordinator last year, of course, now the head coach of the Oakland Raiders, really didn't blitz a whole lot last year. But when you're blitzing uh, and you have guys like Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware coming off the edge, I think the Denver defense is a defense that is going to be drafted pretty high uh, in, in fantasy drafts next year. I think that that's a defense that um, 
uh, it, it just it's going to have sack and turnover written all over it with Wade Phillips as the head of it. We kind of make fun of Wade Phillips a lot. I mean, just he doesn't look like a very intelligent football guy, but he is. He's a really smart guy. Uh, obviously, wasn't the greatest head coach in the world. Um, but he, uh, as a defensive coordinator, I think that he can get the best out of uh, that Denver defense. Of course, Akib Tlaib, Brandon Marshall, still going uh, to be there uh, next year as well. Uh, and they'll, uh, they obviously have Brandon Roby, who was the first round pick this past year. Uh, a very, very Chris Harris is on that team too. A very talented defense. A lot to work with, uh, with Wade Phillips on that defense. A lot to work with on the show tonight because we are at quarter past the hour. Eric Balkman here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. And that means it is time to welcome in tonight's guests. They actually got their first taste of the FFPC action four years ago when they rode Rob Gronkowski to a 31st place showing in the 2012 world famous FFPC playoff challenge. After jumping to the main event two years ago, the two friends have claimed a main event league title, two top 20 playoff challenge finishes, and a runner up finish in the 2014 Super Bracket tournament. Their decision to start Big Ben Roethlisberger over Russell Wilson in week 16 still gives them nightmares. And hopefully all of you listeners, everybody hanging out in the chat room tonight, we can offer some therapy to these guys and 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 tell them it's going to be okay and that there's plenty more football to come in 2015. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome into the show the runners-up in the 2014 FFPC Super Bracket Attorney. Please welcome Eric Stitely and Brad Kennedy. Guys, thanks for joining the show tonight. Thanks for having us, Eric. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. I uh, I just uh, I'm very excited because uh, I, I'm going to Milwaukee. I'm I'm in Northeast Wisconsin. I'm going to Milwaukee tomorrow because my brother is actually uh, he's getting married. We had the bachelor party in Milwaukee last weekend, and you know I I thought things would get a little bit wild. My brother ended up getting cuffed by the police, so it got a little hairy there for uh, a little while. But I'm very excited to relive uh, everything that happened last weekend tomorrow with with all the guys down there. So. It's, it's a great weekend for the Balkman family. It's a great weekend for me personally because I get to talk to you guys tonight. I'm very excited about that. Absolutely. That sounds fantastic. We, we, uh, we want to talk fantasy football with you guys given the success that you've had in high stakes over the past few years. But give us an idea uh, what you're doing for a living when you're not playing fantasy football. Eric, I'll let you go first and then Brad, you can chime in on, on what you do for a living. Sure. I'm a financial analyst for the government. Uh, I also I went to law school a few years ago and then got out and decided that I didn't want to work 80 hours a week, so I went ahead and went the government route, and so that's what I do for a living. Brad, how about you? I actually am in sales for, uh, I work for Mondelez International. Uh, for those of you that don't know what that is, we're actually one of the world's largest producers of uh, sweets, snacks, um, if you've ever heard of Oreo cookies. Um, that's who makes it. And Eric, what I'm that actually, means for us is that we get a lot of free, uh, we get a lot of free crackers and, and cookies for Brad. <laughs> the guy I'm, didn't know. I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm actually enjoying an Oreo cookie right now. Dead serious. <laughs> so, I believe that. We just have hey, to uh, uh, I'd like to plug our red velvet coming out on February 2nd. <laughs> really? Red velvet <laughs> yes, Oreo cookie? It's Monday. <laughs> Wow, that's very exciting. Are we going to see a Super Bowl ad with the red velvet Oreo cookies? Um, I'm not at liberty to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm in, in any event, I'm very excited for the red velvet uh, Oreo cookies. I'm also very excited to talk to you uh, about uh, how you guys uh, put together this Super Bracket team. Uh, Brad, when you look back on it, how well did you guys execute your draft strategy in, in the Super Bracket tournament? What players were you happy that you got and what players, and I'm, and I'm talking like from a perspective now, but after the draft, when you looked at the team, what players were really happy that you got and what players did you kind of miss out on that you were targeting in that draft? Um, overall, I'd say we were pretty happy. Um, you know, we actually got fortunate. Uh, Le'Veon Bell fell to the third round um, in this draft for us. Um, this was, I think, right around the time where he had got arrested um, with uh, the Garrett Blunt, and there was thoughts that he might be suspended for the first four games. So he slipped to the third round, which is a great value for us. Uh, we got March on Lynch in the second, which we're very happy about. Um, I know a lot of people were down on him this year, but um, once he fell to the end, towards the end of the second round, we, uh, since we took Jimmy Graham in the first, we thought we had to go ahead and take a running back uh, with our second pick. 
Um, besides that, I mean, Golden Tate in the sixth ended up great value for us um, with uh, Calvin Johnson getting hurt. And then uh, we got Bradshaw on the 11th. Um, actually worked out really well for us until his injury, I think, around like week 11 or 12. Um, actually, our best pick overall was probably Brian Quick in the 19th. Um, even though he only played five or six games for us. Um, but he gave us great value um, in that round as well. So, I mean, everything uh, pretty much fell into place. Uh, we really love Julian Edelman. Uh, we were able to get him in the fourth for our first wide receiver. So that worked out well. And then um, there weren't too many picks, I'd say, that we were happy. Um, we weren't uh, too happy about. What about Terrence Williams, Red? Oh, yeah, we actually uh, got uh, auto-drafted Terrence Williams mm. in the seventh round. <laughs> uh, we were going to take Russell Wilson there, mm. and uh, I was having some computer issues. We actually ended up getting him in the tenth round, which so I'd say worked out pretty well. Yeah, you know, it's fun. The, the auto-draft is always interesting to me. We had, um, I think it was almost probably a month ago now, maybe not quite a month, but we had uh, Jim Seipel on the show. I believe it was Jim uh, who won the football guys players championship uh, this year, $300,000 from, I want to say round 12 on his team was auto drafted and he ended up winning the entire thing, which is insane to me uh, that something like that happens. But you know, for whatever reason, sometimes uh, these things work out. And one of the picks that actually worked out for you guys, Eric, uh, on your squad this year that Brad just touched on, Marshawn Lynch. Now, a lot of players had uh, high stakes players kind of written him off coming into the season. Not everyone, but a lot of them, a plurality, if you will, uh, because the mileage uh, on his legs, how old he was, but he still had a fantastic season. Uh, looking forward to 2015, what kind of season do you think he's going to have uh, this year uh, as far as beast mode goes, Eric? You know, I was just talking to Brad about that this evening, Eric, and that, that's a great question. I mean, Marshall's going to be 29, I think, in what, December or January. I think there was a question earlier if he'd be back with Seattle. But we see no reason why we wouldn't take Marshawn, maybe like a late second, third. That's the possibility when you would, you would take Marshawn. But I'm not convinced that Marshawn's going to fall off precipitously to where he was before. I, I think we're optimistic. Especially if he's back in the Seattle uniform, that he could be a high performer. I, I know that he's a conventional top bus pick, and I certainly wouldn't advocate taking Marshawn in the first round. But we we would see no reason to be scared off of taking the guy. I mean, he's, it, I think he's one of those guys that he has that NFL body. He could go to 31 or so before he really falls off. A lot of people compare him to Frank Gore, and I think that might be a fairly accurate comparison to how his longevity might play out. I mean, what do you think, Eric? I mean, for me, I look at Lynch, and at the start of the season, I he was not a guy I was targeting. He was not a guy that uh, I was very excited about drafting, given where you had to take him. Um, Absolutely. But, I mean, it, it you know, I know his career numbers in the postseason are much better than his number, not much better, but notably better in the postseason than they are in the regular season. But he just, he doesn't seem to be slowing down. And I feel like as long as he has a even a semi-productive Super Bowl, I feel like people are going to take him in the first round again next year. And it'll be sort of like the Arian Foster kind of thing uh, this year where everybody wanted to stay away from him, but the people that ended up taking him got, you know, 12 really good games out of him. So it, it's going to be one of those things where if you don't want to take him in the first round, that's fine. But I don't know how many times he's going to fall to the second round. And obviously, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the preseason and everything. But I think Lynch is a guy that to me uh, is going to be a first round pick once those, uh, uh, FFPC main event drafts uh, roll around uh, next year. I don't, well, I'll tell you this right now, running back that will not be, I mean, I, I don't think he, certainly anything can happen, but I don't think he's going to be a first round pick next year. Um, but a guy that was a, uh, another good hit for you guys, Brad, uh, Mark Ingram, you get, you get him at a good value in this draft. Uh, he says the saints have talked about bringing him back uh, which I'm considering the source. I don't know if that's true or not. But if they are, uh, and if they bring him back, given the numbers that he put up this year on a per-game basis, where do you see him being selected in main event drafts if he is the lead back for New Orleans going into draft season next year? I would say probably around the same spot um, this year, around probably between round six and eight. Um, we actually, every team we've ever had, um, We've actually ended up with uh, Ingram on it for whatever reason. 
Um, you know, he have, obviously has limited upside. Um, he's not going to catch any passes. Um, there's still going to be competition for carries. Um, the only good thing, you know, he's probably going to get the goal on touches. Um, this year, obviously, he benefited from injury, um, which helped him out greatly. But I don't see any reason if you can get him, you know, around the seventh, eighth round, um, he could be a good value for you. I think the other thing that that's interesting to keep in mind with Ingram, too, is you know, he, he could be pushed up the draft board when people look at, oh my God, he did, he put up these amount of stats in, in this limited amount of time, but he's not a guy that you're really excited to, to overdraft. I mean, nobody's going to be charging into their fantasy drafts and pounding their fists and saying, God, I, I'm, I'm overdrafting Mark Ingram. I got to get Ingram on my squad. He's not a pass catcher. Like you said, I, I just feel like he's the type of guy that he won't be overdrafted. You know, uh, even if, if, all the puff pieces in the offseason are all positive about him, and, and he's in the best shape of his life. He's ready to um, you know, become the running back everybody thought he was going to be out of Alabama. I still don't think he's he's going to be uh, overdrafted, and certainly, Brad, you agree. Uh, Brad and Kennedy and uh, Eric Stitely, the 2014 FFPC Super Bracket runners-up joining me on the show tonight. And Eric, we talked about it in your intro. Uh, I want you to talk a little bit about uh, the Russell Wilson versus uh, Roethlisberger lineup decision that you guys made in week 16. When you uh, were looking at that, which one to start at quarterback, what factors did you consider? And uh, then you made the decision and then what ended up happening uh, after the games were played? Two words for you, Eric. Julian Edelman, he had the concussion. He had to sit out. So we were staring at the starting three Seahawks in week 16. We had Wilson, we had Ball, and we had they were playing the Cardinals, and I want to say the over-under was about 36, 36 and a half. We were like, we cannot go with three Seahawks. And, of course, what do they do? They all blow up. Uh, that's just how it goes. But so when we decided, when Edelman's sitting out, we like, when we got banned, even though we knew that the Chiefs are a pretty good defense, um, I'd say limited quarterbacks, generally under about 230 yards for the season. So we rolled with Big Ben, and, of course, I think he actually got hurt part of that game. We sit out post and I think our opponent started, what, did he start Tannehill, Brad, or Kaepernick? He, he started Tannehill the week Both we had uh, over thirty. Yeah, so we get we get stuck with we go with Roethlisberger. We sit Wilson out. I think he he ends up I don't even remember what he ends up with like thirty thirty five. And then Baldwin of course goes off with like twenty. And Marshawn had that epic fourth quarter run that everyone still talks about. Um, that's what happened. You know how you know how it goes. You overthink these things. You don't start your studs, and you get screwed in the end, Eric. But to me, I don't, I mean, based on what you told me, I don't think you guys overthought it. I, I think you were being smart about it. Like what, if you had this decision to do over again, and you're talking about starting three players playing in a game where the total is, you know, 36 or 37, I think more often than not, you're not playing all three of those guys. That's what we tell ourselves every night when we go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, we and, and we actually know. had this uh, conversation for Animally. <laughs> 20 minutes, I'd say, <laughs> up until 1 o'clock before we just decided to roll with Big Ben. And then we watched the uh, agony. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I so remember good. that game. I, that that it was a it was a it was a Sunday night game, right? The the no, it was a Monday. No, it was a Sunday yeah, night it game. Was, it was a Sunday afternoon game. Yeah, it was one o'clock, I think. So yeah, the okay. Seattle game was at eight o'clock. Yeah. Right. That's the one. That's the one I was thinking of because I was in. You know, I. I I get, the listeners of the show know I, I go to down to Kentucky for the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship every year, and I had I was in first place in a league um, that that was really you know coming down to it. It was a it was a kind of a three team race, and um, one of the guys who we had written off came out of nowhere because he had Wilson Lynch and the Seahawks defense all going that night, and of course for, for I would say two and a half quarters, maybe, maybe just, you know, for sure the first half that yeah, game was going was according to plan. I mean, it, it was, it was a tight game. It was, um, it was a game that, that wasn't very high scoring. And then the floodgates just opened in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, when Seattle just piled on, it was just, it was surreal. And then of course this guy came out of nowhere, ended up winning the league, which was so bizarre. He put up like a one ninety five or something like that in the final week. But like you guys said, I mean, these things happen. I mean, that 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 is fantasy. Uh, Brad, yeah, you guys, you've, you've enjoyed a lot of success for only playing the FFPC for, for only a few years. 
you guys clearly know what you're doing in the high stakes field. What do you attribute that success in, in, that you've had in fantasy football to? Give give me a, uh, a listen. Nobody's listening to the show. You can just tell me. Give me a trade secret <laughs> you guys have have honed over the years uh, that's really been uh, a winner for you. Um, I don't I don't know if we really have any secrets. It's just you know going into each draft. You know we we pretty much discuss three or four different scenarios based on how the draft's going and it's pretty much up to you just got to adapt um you know, this year in one of our main event teams we actually got stuck there was a run on tight ends um we got stuck with mercedes lewis as our only tight end um every tight end seemed to go two to three rounds at least um before we would have taken them and then we basically ended up mercedes lewis he gets hurt in the second week mm. And we're stuck with Jermaine Gresham the rest of the year. Um, so we're basically punting a position which is very valuable um, with the scoring system. So I would just say being able to adapt, you know, um, that's about it. And I'd say trust your gut, you know. Um, back to um, we were thinking of starting Russell Wilson. We didn't, even though we had a gut feel on it. Um, just trust your gut, you know. And I would say don't. You know, don't get caught up in following the herd with, you know, everyone's picks because guys just their value gets driven up, and you know, you, there's just basically no value there. That is true. I mean, you you think about um, you know, all all especially as it gets closer to main event draft time, uh, with with all the hype building around certain players, some of them just get pushed up the draft board uh, an insane amount. And and if you stay true, uh, like you're saying, stay true to your board, trust your gut. You can obviously uh, put together some really, really good teams, as you guys uh, are, are obviously uh, the case for. Eric, uh, looking uh, to some of the recent head coaching, offensive coordinator positions, I mean, obviously a lot of the the uh, the coaching positions have been shuffled around since the end of the 2014 regular season. Um, you look at those hires around the league, is there any player, any specific player that you think got a fantasy bump up or a fantasy bump down uh, with a new coach in charge of him this year? Um, or maybe a new offensive coordinator. Anybody that you think, um, you know, moved uh, up, up and up or down your board, uh, notably with uh, with these new coaches. Yeah, that's a good question. We're particularly concerned about all 49er offensive players. We're worried about the 49er approach. I mean, that seems like a true. Yeah, I mean, the GM is out, but Tom, we really don't know what he's going to bring to the table. I know he's had great success defense, but. I think we're gonna we're likely that's a trade ticket for you. I think we'll likely steer clear of any forty nine er coming up in this year. We we genuinely just don't think that, that their approach is what they're really what are they trying to gain here? Are they trying to go they're trying to <laughs> they're just trying to show how how smart they are, but uh we're not we're not particularly impressed by the hiring of their head coach and I think we're gonna steer clear in twenty fifteen. We have a, it's interesting you say that because I know we have an email coming up later on in the show um that somebody had was kind of basically echoing the same statements that you're making um, uh, about the 49ers uh, coaching hires. I understand the importance of wanting to keep, you know, a good thing going in San Francisco, obviously excluding this year, three straight NFC championship games. They clearly were doing a lot of things right. And now Harbaugh moves on and they kind of want to promote from within to sort of prolong that. But I don't know if you have the right personnel uh, that, that can, that can really keep, you know, this good thing going. Uh, it clearly didn't work this year, and I don't know of doing the same thing again in 2015 with people who were there last year but maybe not as talented and, and as good of a coach as, as Jim Harbaugh in charge. I have a lot of reservations about that. I don't, I'm, a, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not very excited about anybody uh, in, that, uh, in that 49ers uh, as far as the, the skill position players go uh, for 2015. Uh, Brad, uh, let's talk Super Bowl here as we uh, – as we move on here in our interview, of course, talking with uh, Brad Kennedy, Eric Stitely from the uh, 2014 FFPC Super Bracket runner-up team. Um, from a fantasy perspective, uh, this upcoming year, what players are you going to be watching uh, in the Super Bowl on Sunday that could stand to really shoot up or plunge down draft boards, uh, given that this is really the last real football game we are going to see until obviously the kickoff game Thursday night of week one of the season. Is there anybody that you think could, you know, has a lot to gain or a lot to lose with a good or bad performance on Sunday afternoon? Um, there's probably not too many guys I'm looking at. Uh, maybe a few of the set uh, Seattle wide receivers, um, Baldwin um, or Curse. 
Um, it'd be great if Richardson was healthy. Maybe um, take a look at him um, as a breakout guy, maybe down the road, um, based off of what he did in college. Um, he showed some glimpses towards the end of the season. Um, the only guy for New England, maybe Tom Brady, um, to see if he has a good game against a great uh, Seattle defense. But other than that, not too much I'm looking at. Um, you know, you know what Gronk's going to give you. You know what Edelman's going to get. Um, maybe Russell Wilson, uh, if he has a good game, to get bumped up next year. Um, besides that, um, not too much I'm probably looking at. I think you make a good point with the Seattle receivers. It really would have been cool to see Paul Richard, a healthy Paul Richardson in this game. One guy that I think will be uh, very interesting uh, to see what he's able to do. I'm assuming Darrell Rivas is going to be on Doug Baldwin. If Baldwin can go, you know, five mm. for 80 in a touch or something like that, I think that that is a guy that really could make a name for himself because nobody wants ever wants wants to draft Doug Baldwin. Nobody does. Let's face it. I mean, he's just the guy that like well, he's still there. I should take him. Number one receiver for Seattle. I'll draft him. But I think he could be a guy that people want next year if he shows that he can do uh, some damage against one of the best in the league. A couple of emails for you guys tonight that uh, came in from listeners. And uh, Eric, I'll, I'll throw this first one to you. This is uh, Frank in Louisville, Kentucky. Any thoughts on what is going to happen to Larry Fitzgerald? I own him in my dynasty league, and it sounds like the cards want him back at a discount. I feel like I wouldn't be able to get proper value for him now if I traded him if he comes back next year and has a great year under Carson Palmer. What do you guys think about Fitz going forward? That's Frank in Louisville, Kentucky. Obviously, uh, uh, Eric, you know, it sounds like Fitz wants to come back to, to Arizona. It sounds like Arizona wants to have him. If he does come back and he's playing, um, you know, opposite Michael Floyd with Carson Palmer tossing him the ball again, what, what kind of 2015 do you think Fitz is going to have? Well, I think his just owed like twenty million dollars or some crazy amount like that. So they're clearly going to have to restructure. I mean, that, that's you never know what's going to go on. There. I don't know. I mean, I would I would think Fitzgerald would be fifth, sixth round pick. I can see why uh, Frank's having the problem with getting value back on him. I mean, Floyd seems to be he, he's really emerging there. Palmer played really well for them for what eleven, twelve weeks for them. But I, I don't know. I mean, what's Fitzgerald going to do at thirty one, thirty, thirty one years old? I I, I would think his ceiling, honestly, Eric, would be, nah, I don't know, 1,100 yards maybe, six, seven touches. I don't, I don't know, but uh, I, I, I could see his, his dilemma. He might have held on the fits one year too long, is my, my gut feeling. And that, the, and that, I mean, that seems reasonable that, that his ceiling would be, you know, 1,100 yards or so, five or six touchdowns. Um, if Michael, especially if Michael Floyd is the number one target there next year. Um, Bruce Arians already said, look, in this offense, we don't force the football to anybody. If you get open and and uh, our, the quarterback sees you that you're open, we're going to throw you the ball. But we're not forcing any balls to anybody in this offense, which I think kind of works against Fitz. I think fifth or sixth round uh, seems uh, pretty accurate. Uh, what you got to be careful there, uh, Frank, and, and he owns him in Dynasty, but, but just in redraft, my personal feeling is, if you want to draft him in the fifth or sixth round, he better come close to that ceiling. You know, other, otherwise, you, you probably could have made a better use uh, out of that fifth or sixth uh, round draft pick. So Absolutely. we'll have to see. I mean, maybe he doesn't even uh, restructure and he goes elsewhere. So a, a lot to to figure out with Fitz yet. Uh, Brad, I'm going to throw this email to you. This is Paul in Lenora, Kansas. I think it's Lenora. Uh, hi, guys. It <laughs> seems like you have done really well in the playoff challenge for a few years now. What is your strategy on not only projecting the winners of each game, but the correct players from each team to take year after year? Thanks, fellas. That's Paul and Lenora, Kansas. Obviously, uh, we said in the intro, you guys have already had two top 20 finishes in the playoff challenge with, you know, given, you know, a thousand uh, or more than a thousand this year, more than 3000 people in it. it. It is. I mean, that is a really, really good accomplishment to place in the top 20, not once, but twice. Um, so, so Brad, how have you been able to do it? I mean, is it just, you guessed right on, on teams that won and, and you projected the right players or is it, they're more of a science to building those rosters than that? Um, I wouldn't say there's too much of this. I mean, we try to diversify as much as possible. Um, I think this is our third year doing it Fourth, uh, fourth year. Sorry. Um, the first year, I think we only did a couple teams. Um, I think last year we did five teams, and then uh, this year we did ten. Um, just try to diversify as much as possible. Um, it really comes down to the Super Bowl. 
you got to hit uh, – you need basically two of your main guys playing the Super Bowl, uh, QB, running back, receiver, or tight end. Um, though last year we did have Seattle defense on the mm-hmm. team, and I think they ended up with like 70 points um, since you could double for the Super Bowl. Uh, we just – you know, we basically pick one or two guys from each team that we like. Um, we normally stay away from – we pick like the four teams. Obviously, you think you're going to play one game. Um, just take your defense and special teams uh, from those guys and then um, go from there. I mean, this year, I think we went heavy on Wilson, um, so we need him to have a big game um, on Sunday. But that's about it. Um, just try to diversify. If you're only doing one or two teams, that's tough to do. You pretty much got to go chalk. But um, I would always try to target one or two guys you think will be maybe 10% owned from the field. Um, and if they uh, go off, you know, you're in great shape. That's interesting. I, I like it. Uh, I like it quite a bit. Eric, we have, uh, I'm going to throw this question to you, a question from our chat room tonight. Mint wants to know your thought. We actually talked about this on the show. Uh, I think it was last week about Joe Flacco now uh, has a new offensive coordinator. Mark Trustman uh, is going to be uh, there in Baltimore. What do you think Joe Flacco for 2015? I, I'm I'm sort of a fan uh, given that I don't think he's going to be pushed up draft boards a ton, but I think he, he could be a value this year. What's your read on Flacco with Mark Trestman as his offensive coordinator? That's a tough question because I could answer it just how I think Flacco's going to perform, but you have to look at it from the context of the FFPC, which just does not place a premium on quarterbacks at all. Flacco very well still undrafted. He just came off his best year. The Vikings have a great track history of turning around coordinators who just came out of offensive coaching jobs plenty well. Tressman certainly has a good track record of doing that. I could, I mean, I could see Flacco and his ceiling going for twenty five hundred. I'm sorry, twenty five touchdowns, maybe high three thousand yards. I, I think he could be solid. I don't. I mean, he's never been a fan stud during the regular season. He tends to be more of a gamer in the postseason. I. I think that, you know, maybe you get 20% better Flacco than you used to. That's best-case scenario. But I, I wouldn't like I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't put my hopes on winning a – taking down a title next year on Joe Flacco. Not, not a great player, but that's just the reality. Yeah, that, that, has not, that, that has not been a winning strategy in the past is to, to base your, your fantasy hopes on Joe Flacco and, <laughs> and build your team around that. Uh, you know, no, I, and, I, and I think you make a lot of good points. I think he could be solid, but you're right. I mean, I'm not – um, you know, starting my Joe Flacco for MVP campaign, uh, at least not yet. Give me if he throws five touchdowns in the first quarter against the Bucks again, we'll we'll maybe talk about that. But that's uh, we'll have to see. Uh, I want to talk uh, about 2015. You guys, of course, uh, Eric Stitley and uh, Brad Kennedy joining the show tonight. The 2014 Super Bracket runners up. Let's talk next year. Uh, you know whether you guys are playing in the main event or the Super Bracket again. Any redraft leagues. Uh, what's a player that you want to make sure you get on those teams uh, that you know already now? And a player that uh, again you already touched on it, Eric, with the with the Niners. Uh, staying away from those guys. But what's a player that you would stay away from uh, in drafts? Brad, I'll uh, I'll let you take this one first. I'd say a guy I'm not going to be high on. Um, be Jamal Charles. I think he's going to turn 29 this year. Um, for whatever reason, um, he had a decent year this year, but the Chiefs, for whatever reason, don't seem to use him. I think he only had a little over 200 carries. Um, there'll be games where he'd have seven carries for 65 yards, first quarter, first half, and then he would have two carries in the second half. Um, he was nicked up a bunch. I think he left four or five games early. Um, so, where he's going to be taken probably first round. I just don't see him reaching value for you um, in that case, but he's a guy probably um, I'm going to be staying away with, uh, from next year. Eric, what about you? What's, what's a player that you really like in 2015 or, or a player that you want to make sure that you avoid in drafts? Well, we talked about it earlier before we got on. We, we're probably going to avoid DeMarco Murray. He's a very conventional pick. But anytime you see 400 carries in one season, he doesn't have a track record of getting through the whole year. You know, I, I, I imagine DeMarco's going to probably be a top five pick. I don't think he'll be on our teams. We're certainly going to – we had Antonio Brown in 2013, and we were despairing we didn't get him this year. He's, I mean, it's for FFPC, any, any PPR league, You've got to figure with the same cast back, he's going to be fantasy dynamite, and you'll probably get him at a, a bit of a discount in that late first, early second. 
we, we thought about we talked about ODP, but we're worried about cough and injury. We think he might be a top three or four pick in the FPC, and we thought we'd probably steer clear of him, which might be a little bit against the grain there, because I imagine he's going to go extremely high. But he, he's high risk, high reward. The Murray thing to me is going to be one of the most fascinating stories as we get into June and July because you're talking about a guy that you know broke Emmett Smith's record for the franchise uh, you know lead in, in most rushing yards in a season, coming off the best season of his career. But again, he was overused. He was used a ton, and they might not be able to sign him. I mean, he could be in a different uniform. So if you want to take Demarco Murray in the first round next year, you're talking about taking a guy who was abused in 2014 and could have a whole new coach, a whole new offense, a whole new offensive line blocking for him. That is going to be a fascinating story to watch. I'm sure you guys will have your eye on it as you move forward with your draft prep for 2015. I do want to thank you for coming on the show tonight. This was quite a pleasure uh, for our Super Bowl show that we we got you guys to come on. Uh, Obviously, uh, you wanted the Super Bracket to end a little bit better this year. But better, uh, better luck to you guys uh, uh, going forward. I want to wish you the best in 2015, and and uh, thank you for joining the show and enjoy the Super Bowl on Sunday, guys. Thanks, 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 Eric. Eric Stightly, Brad Kennedy, the 2014 FFPC Super Bracket runners up. Some good insight there. Good insight on both dynasty and uh, and redraft. Uh, anytime we can get somebody on who has had. Uh, success both in the uh, redraft realm as well as the playoff challenge. I mean, two top 20 finishes. That's always good to pick their brains and uh, and get some uh, feedback from them. Uh, we've got feedback from them. Now let's hear feedback from you. If you've got a question for Eric, Dave, or tonight's guest, send them a tweet at Hour on Twitter. Email the show at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Post it in the chat room during the broadcast. Hashtag your tweet with HSFF or just smack Eric in the head. That's highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com or at HSFF hour on Twitter. We're going to kick things off tonight with uh, Junior from Muskogee, Oklahoma. Hey, Balks. Is there a bigger dumpster fire in fantasy? Well, <laughs> thanks. You know, Rob, you didn't have to put this at the top, but that's fine. Hey, Balks, is there a biggest dump, bigger dumpster fire in fantasy right now than the Niners offense? They just hired a new head coach I've never heard of, and they just hired a new offensive coordinator that I've never heard of and replaced him with a quarterback's coach I've never heard of. Is there any 49er you want on your team going forward junior in Muskogee Oklahoma I will answer okay so this is how I feel about the Niners number one I'm with Eric and Brad who we just had on they're staying away from the Niners offense I am too there's not anybody I'm too excited on Um, I own Carlos Hyde in a dynasty league I feel like his value might be highest when he's named the starter uh, in in the preseason, and then I might try to trade him because I, I just don't envision good things for this Niners offense this year. I'm staying away from Kaepernick. I waited on him in drafts this year thinking, oh, you know, he'll just be part of a QBBC for me. And he really wasn't that great even in that. So what's the point? I mean, give me Joe Flacco and Ben Roethlisberger. Give me, uh, you know, Tony Romo and Eli Manning or somebody like that. I, I just have no hope for Kaepernick uh, this coming year. I'm done with them. Maybe, maybe in 2016, I'll be back on the bus, but he's going to have to prove it. Um, As far as uh, the receivers go, uh, Michael Crabtree, we don't know where he's going to be. If he's back in San Francisco, I'm certainly not excited because he did not put up great numbers uh, in that offense. So I'm not excited about him. Uh, And then uh, the one, the one receiver that I, I still will be on board until he retires Anquan Bolden continues to be heavily targeted, continues to put up good PPR numbers, still disrespected, still doesn't get drafted where he should. So I will be on board with Bolden no matter what next year. And obviously I'm off Vernon Davis completely. So, I mean, there's just not a whole lot to like uh, with the Niners offense. So the 149er, I will look at Anquan Bolden. Mike in Wallingford, Connecticut. It's not enough that I have to know a bunch of D3 guys for my dynasty rookie draft, but I also have to know about Canadian transfers. What's your take on how good Duran Carter is and how high should I take him in my draft? Thanks in advance, Mike in Wallingford, Connecticut. So I'm not terribly well-versed in Duran Carter, but here's what I know, and I think this is the most important stuff to know. 
Undrafted free agent in 2013 could not crack the Minnesota Vikings roster. I'm going to repeat that. Could not crack the Minnesota Vikings receivers. Okay. Could, couldn't make the team. Now I know that, um, you know, there's some off the field stuff uh, that, you know, character issues with him, but look at what the Vikings put up with, with Randy Moss. They weren't willing to take a chance on, on Deron Carter. If that was the, the thing holding you back was off the field stuff. So he obviously repaired his image. Did uh, two really good years in uh, in the CFL, um, and uh, when he I believe it was the semifinals of the Grey Cup in the playoffs this year got shut down uh, against you know one of the better corners. So he goes to Indianapolis. I mean, th there's so many mouths to feed there. I don't know where he's going to fit in. I, the one thing that that kind of if I'm if I'm a Dante Moncrief owner, I'm kind of ticked off that Indy went out and signed this guy. And obviously, it's not official yet, but you know, everybody's treating this as it, it is a done deal. Um, I'm upset that they invest the the draft pick in Moncrief and then, then sir, uh, signs Deron Carter. I don't know how that's going to shake out, but I'm not using a first round pick on Deron Carter, maybe in the second round of a rookie draft, I would take him. Um, but I, I just feel like there's so many, he's sort of a known quantity. I, I want to get unknown quantities in my rookie draft and, and shoot for the moon. Um, he's, he's not Odell Beckham and, you know, there could be a receiver in this draft in the first or second round uh, that could have a, a banner season. So I don't know if Deron Carter is going to do that in his career. And, and I have don't have a whole lot of hope that he's going to do it in 2015. Uh, let's move on here. Rob, what do we got? Uh, James in Herndon, Virginia. How will Rob Chudzinski's promotion affect all the Colts from a dynasty standpoint? I'm specifically interested in Luck, Hilton, and Dwayne Allen, given that those guys are all on both my dynasty teams. Or am I blowing this associate head coach thing out of proportion? And it is business. Is it business as usual in Indy? Um, I like this Chudzinski hires assistant uh, associate head coach. I think he's a really, really bright mind. Now he could have gone to other places in the NFL and, and taken an OC job somewhere else. He chose to remain with Indy. Indy was, was blocking him from interviewing with other teams. And then they give him this promotion. I think this is good for Andrew Luck. I think this is great for Kobe Fleener and Dwayne Allen. So I would be looking to acquire both those guys, especially Allen, um, uh, upcoming uh, for uh, for your dynasty leagues in 2015. Um, I think it's good news for Hilton. Um, the rest of the guys there, you know, uh, Moncrief and, and Reggie Wayne, uh, the running backs, if Bradshaw comes back, it doesn't sound like T. Rich is going to come back. I think that those guys hold steady. But this is a good move overall for the Colts. Third-ranked offense in the NFL this year, and I think uh, this is going to help cement them as a top-five offense uh, once again. Uh, Dave in New York, New York, NY, NY. Dear Meathead and Peaked in High School. I love those direct TV commercials. Just when I write RG3 off, he drops a bomb about his ankle being messed up all season. Are you buying that? Or is he just making excuses because he knows he is destined for another subpar year in D.C.? Keep up the awesome work on the show, Dave in New York, New York. So RG3, I'm I'm a huge fan of his. I have been in fantasy the last couple of years. You know, what was funny is, is I, I was, you know, totally throwing my support behind RG3 last year. And I don't think I got him on any teams. I know I take that back. I got him on one. So I actually avoided that bullet, uh, that draft bullet last year. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I got to see it on the field now. I'm not going to be taking him again this year. If he had an ankle injury, okay. That explains some stuff, but it doesn't explain everything. I feel like mentally he's just not in the right place to, to be a good leader on that team, to put up numbers week in and week out. So I'd have to get him really, really cheap if I'm going to get him this year, but I am in a wait and see approach with RG three. So this year, 2015 will be the year that Eric Balkman does not Drink the RG3 Kool-Aid. And I'm 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 better for it, I think. Uh, let's go to Jace in Singapore. Hello from the Asian capital of fantasy football. I own Nick Foles and Eli Manning in my dynasty league, and Foles really didn't give a resounding answer on the radio this week when he was asked if he'd be the starter next year. Should I take the chance and trade him now? If he's healthy, he's a solid quarterback running that offense, and I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. I do not want to see him in St. Louis. That's Jace in Singapore. Um, so the whole Nick Foles thing, I don't know if you guys heard this interview when he was at the Super Bowl, but uh, what I can't remember what journalist or, or broadcaster was talking to him. They asked him, hey, are you going to be the starter for the Eagles next year? And he said, I plan to be back in Philly next year. 
to me, that does not sound like what a starting quarterback would say. It sounds like he wants to stay there, um, but he realizes he may not be the starter. I don't think the Eagles move up to get Mariota. I think Foles might, again, be their best possible uh, choice, unless they're going to give away everything to try to get Mariota. Um, so the thing is with Foles, I'm, I always shop all my players around all the time. I'd be shopping around, see what I could get him, because if he's not the starter, you're going to have to drop him. If, you, if you're in the dynasty leagues that, that – like the ones I'm in, quarterbacks are not valued at all. I mean, they're just not. You, you can't trade them. They just There's always good ones on the waiver wire if you want to play matchups. And I think that Nick Foles is a guy that is uh, is not rosterable unless he is the Eagles' starting quarterback. So, yeah, shop him around right now. See what you can get. I'd be fine with selling him and, and not getting a full 100 pennies on the dollar either. If you, if you want to sell him for 70 or 75, I think that's fine, especially uh, if your league just – does not value quarterbacks, which I think most one QB leagues do not. So that's my feelings on Nick Foles. Final email tonight, Earl in Stoughton, Wisconsin. I feel bad that we get an email from Earl and Dave's not here uh, to hear it, but uh, here goes. Had to take a week off after that Packer loss last week. Cripes, I can't believe they gave that game away. Anyway, you think that Dalton kid is ever going to be good again? I didn't think he would, but Cripes, he had a lot of guys hurt last year with that tight end and the receiver and the other receiver. My son-in-law told me to ask you because he don't have the internet to listen to you. Tanks, that's Earl in Stoughton, Wisconsin. Earl is quite the wordsmith on his emails. Um, we rip on Andy Dalton a lot, uh, and I think that he is the type of guy that probably is who he is, but Tyler Eifert was hurt most of the year. Marvin Jones was hurt all year. You get those two guys coming back next year, along with A.J. Green not missing time. I think that Dalton uh, gets to be closer to the quarterback he was in uh, 2013 than the one he was in 2014. Now, he's not going to have a 2013-type season. He doesn't have Jay Gruden there anymore. But uh, I, I feel like I would rather have him than RG3. Uh, I'd rather have him than Colin Kaepernick uh, with those healthy weapons there. I know Hugh Jackson likes to run the ball quite a bit, but – Dalton with those weapons, man, I think that he can be, he can definitely be better uh, than what he was in 2014. Uh, that is going to do it for our show. We just have a couple of minutes left. I promised a big announcement last week, so I will announce it. And I feel bad again that Dave's not on the show because uh, this is sort of his idea. It's his baby. Uh, February, as you know, is uh, Black History Month, a uh, very important uh, month, a very important portion of our history, especially in, in the United States. And we hadn't really paid tribute to Black History Month on this show before. So we are going to be doing it as much as we can in 2015. So 2015 on the HSFF Hour will be Black History Month. We are going to have uh, as many of the black high stakes fantasy players that we know can come on the show. Uh, we're going to have them coming on every single week. So you get four weeks of uh, of, of um, black players coming on the show. And we're not just going to talk about fantasy football. We're going to talk about Ferguson. We're going to talk about, you know, the cops and, 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 and uh, we're going to get into some racial stuff. So it should be fun. Uh, all in good fun. Of course, I hope I nor Dave offend anybody <laughs> by this, but kicking it off next week will be Brandon McLean. Brandon McLean will be the first guest for black history month. Of course, you remember Brandon, his um, co-manager Flavius Henderson, they were drafting quarterbacks nonstop last year. They sometimes they have five quarterbacks by round 11. Uh, we're going to talk to him about how that turned out. We're going to talk to him a lot about fantasy football strategy and get into some. It's going to be a lot of fun with Brandon McLean next week. So that is going to do it for our show tonight. I want to thank Eric Stitely. I want to thank Brad Kennedy, tonight's guests. They were awesome. I want to thank our sponsor, Nationwide Insurance, and of course, Papa John. Our producer and mutual friend, Rob, our audio engineer, Bryce, and most importantly, all of you listeners. Uh, next week, again, Brandon McClain will be on Black History Month on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Dave Gerzak will be back in the Papa John studio, so it's going to be fun having all three, uh, you know, myself, Dave, and Brandon on the show. Going to be a lot of fun next week. Uh, enjoy the big game Sunday, people. It's going to be a good one. Going to be a tight game. Going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. So, officially, your Super Bowl weekend starts now.
This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that is broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week.